Welcome into Please Bear With Me. I am sitting here with a former Baylor football player who I have a lot of respect for, who I loved watching play. We've been teasing this conversation since the Texas Bowl last season and finally able to sit down with Seth Russell and make this conversation happen. Thank you so much for letting us come into your home and, and have this conversation today, Seth. Yeah, man. I appreciate y'all, you guys coming out. Um, I know it's been a work in progress to get it kind of figured out, but timing had been kind of a an interesting ordeal and luckily we were able to get it done today i'm really excited and before before we get into these i've got a lot of things i want to talk about a lot of questions a lot of things i know my listeners want to hear um, but before we get into any of that i just want to say at the front that there are very very few football players uh, who you watch who really just capture your attention and and inspire you and you were definitely one of those guys without question on the field i think it it's really rare to see somebody with your gifts and skill set um come around anywhere and so i know a lot of baylor fans feel the same and then the other thing i would say about you that i know uh, before we get started is is you are uh the epitome to me of what it means to be a baylor bear um and do the right thing and support the university and, and represent uh, the school and the team and the program well. And so before we get started, I just wanted to say that, and it is a pleasure for me to be here with you, um, and, and I'm really thrilled. So thank you so much for that. Um, hey, let's start with this, man. Uh, let's go through the Seth Russell story. Tell me about growing up. Uh, what was your family like? When did you fall in love with football? I mean, what, what was Seth Russell like coming up as a, as a kid and as a teenager? Yeah, so uh, I guess Seth Russell was a third of four boys, um, the smallest of four boys, I guess to say. Uh, oldest brother, um, he ended up being about six five, six six, about three forty five. Wow. Played offensive lineman at a uh, and M, Texas A and M. Second brother was a little bit shorter than me, but he was just a muscle. Like he was a huge muscle, about two thirty five, two forty. Played linebacker at A and M. Um, and then me, you know, the scrawny guy, six three, just uh, <laughs> about two two twenty in my in my heyday, I guess to say I may be around that that, but not in the right way, um, <laughs> weight wise. Um, I obviously played football at Baylor, and then my little brother, who's about my height, but he's about around that three twenty three three thirty uh, weight. Also, I played football at Baylor, um, but growing up, you know, I had both my parents uh, were in the house, were in the home. Uh, the oldest, you know, my, my dad was a uh, fireman. Um, he retired at about at 33 years in. Um, wow. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was also a stay-at-home, like an accountant. So she kind of helped people around the around the, uh, the around the city of Midlothian um, and kind of just did some tax work and stuff like that. But it was constantly traveling, and it was whatever season of sport it was. That is what we were playing. Like it was, it didn't matter if it was football season basketball season soccer season you know track whatever it was we were doing it and i don't know how my parents did it how they were able to get us to our practices on time you know and be able to support us you know what we did because sports is not aren't aren't cheap no and you know yeah. we weren't a you know big making family we just you know got by my parents i know multiple times you know they would have to miss bills you know and pay bills and and uh but you know the one thing that they really taught us was always to be appreciative of what you have hmm. um and so you know kind of growing up seeing that and we were we were always very appreciative very humble and whatever we were able to achieve um you know because there were a lot of times i was saying our parents really put into perspective like 
the what we're doing risking you know sacrificing for you guys is that's what we want to do like we want to give back to you guys we want you as our boys to be able to grow up and be successful you know young Mm -hmm. men and um now the the statistics aren't always the best in terms of you know you have always have at least have one boy that's like the outlier kind of the one that wants to be the you know the one that gets in trouble but you know for some reason you know god and my parents were able to teach us to not be that to not be that kid and um and we're you know very blessed to have that opportunity to be able to grow up and in a, a loving home with a huge family of support um but yeah i grew up in midlothian uh went to high school so my freshman year i transferred to waxahachie was a sit which was a town right next to midlothian um that didn't work out the best and then transferred to garland high school which is about 30 minutes east of dallas um, unfortunately we didn't, we had bought a house there, but we were renovating it. So it wasn't livable yet. And so we, so I actually just turned 16 would travel an hour and a half each way every morning. Good grief. Yeah. Taking my little brother, dropping him off at middle school, going to high school, you know, after we had after school sports. And so I have to do that. You know, that's what another two and a half hours by the time we get done. It's about six, six thirty in the afternoon, pick up my brother from middle school, and then go back to go back home and do it all again the next day. Good grief! Um, so, needless to say, I had to grow up really quick, and you know, I'm thankful for it. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of commuting, um, just <laughs> since I was kind of scarred at an un- at an early age of that. But I feel like in in the perspective of things, it really put things in line to where you're going to have to sacrifice if you want to get to what you want to achieve and be able to hmm. to to take those risks. Um, and trust in the Lord that he's going to provide for, for whatever it is that is going to be in, in the lifetime. Yeah, so four out of four playing Division One football, that's got to be some record, you know, <laughs> up there with the Matthews boys and some of those other, the Manning boys, some of those other football families. Um, so when did you, you said you played a lot of sports, and, and I played a lot of sports growing up too, obviously not nearly at the level you did, but soccer and basketball and baseball and all of it, right? When did you fall in love with football? And obviously, maybe your big brothers had something to do with that. But when did you realize, okay, yeah, like, this is how I'm going to get to college, too, and this is where I'm going to make my mark, too? Yeah, the funny thing is, so football was sport number two in my eyes. Um, basketball was my go-to. Like, I loved being on the court. I mean, I was a, so I'm about 6'3", so I was around, I think I was the second tallest on the team. The other guy was 6'4", but... He wasn't very uh, physical, I guess to say, and so I was always down low, guarding mm. the six ten guys, the guys that were you know, going D one, and so I was always having to be down there. But I loved it because I was scrappy. Um, I was able to, you know, kind of use some leverage on the guys, and um, I felt like I could jump with the best of them, which was also, you know, very helpful. Um, but football kind of came around. I, mean, I played it starting in middle school. My parents never let me play little league type stuff because mm. they're just like it's not really worth the risk. I mean, I'd rather you be playing basketball, soccer, baseball, track, you know, something that's a little less physical. I mean, you still have some in basketball, but it's not at the level of football. Of course. Yeah. Um, and so once I, once I transferred to Garland, I really saw that this was kind of my opportunity because I hit a growth spurt before I got there and I got to my height where I am now. I was thinking if I could go just a couple more inches, I'll stick with basketball and that'll be my go-to. Unfortunately, I didn't grow a couple (laughs) more inches. And so I was like, you know what? I mean, I, I can throw the ball pretty well. Um, our football program is was 
one of the best I felt like in the in the state. Um, but you know, kind of stuck with it and really focused on it. Like in the summer, when normally I would go do some other sports, instead of doing that, I really focused on football. Um, but still played all of them going up. I mean, I would the last three, I guess to say, I didn't play baseball because it was just kind of wasn't in the cards. Uh, but football. I guess to answer your question, long term, short, whatever, uh, was football was kind of like my sophomore year. I really realized that was kind of going to be my my ticket into Division One, hopefully. And I love that you mentioned your love for basketball because there's, and I don't know if you've ever officially said this or if this, I I forget where this story originated, but the myth about Seth Russell and the legend of Seth Russell is that uh, somebody, maybe Philip Montgomery, I don't remember for sure, saw you dunk a basketball. And that's when you were offered a scholarship to play quarterback <laughs> at Baylor. Is that true, or what? What version of that story is true? Uh, I guess if you put a couple of days within each other, that it is true. Um, yeah. So Coach Montgomery came out to uh, to actually one of our practices. It was like a pregame practice. We had a game earlier that, or later that day, um, and so we we're just kind of goofing around, whatever you know, doing some layups, and then you know, just me being. I mean, I wanted to kind of impress coach because like they hadn't offered me yet. I know that was kind of in the in the in the conversation, um, but yeah, I threw a couple down. Um, they were, I guess, kind of impressed by that. And then later, later on in the day when we had the game, um, we were going against the guy that I was telling. He was about the six six ten dude. He actually played Division One basketball at Texas, um, and just kind of going up against that guy. I don't think I ever dunked on him, but he dunked on me a couple times. But it was just. <laughs> It's just like the competitive edge, I think, yeah. that was really kind of sparked um, their interest. Um, and I was I also went to a couple of their camps for the summer. Uh, but that wasn't, I guess the initial offer wasn't that same day. It, okay. was, it was that next weekend when I went on the official visit with uh, with the guys and you know, met Coach Browles officially um, and all the rest of the coaching staff and then sat down and they, they didn't offer me that day. I went home, they called me the next day, I'm like, hey, and once you come, once you to come be a Baylor Bear. Yeah, so that story was pretty greatly exaggerated. I forget where I heard that, but that's that's I know that's out there. I know there's a lot of people that think that's how it happened, but good to know. So uh, let's get to Baylor, man. You get you come in in 2012 as a true freshman, and you Baylor was so. I mean, I can't think of another program that had just four back-to-back-to-back-to-back quarterbacks who were so successful, from Griffin to Nick Florence to Petty to yourself, all very different but all very talented and and won football games. What are some of the things you took away or learned sitting behind both a guy like Nick Florence and a guy like Bryce Petty? Again, two very different players but two guys who, who won at the highest level and put up crazy numbers. What did you learn from each of them that helped you um, as you grew during those first couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the biggest thing that I learned was wait your time. Um, you know, if, if you try to jump in, I mean, a lot of these guys nowadays are coming in playing, you know, like Clemson's quarterback. I mean, he came in and was killing it freshman year. But with us, it was kind of more of earn your keep, you know, trust the process, really believe in the guy in front of you, learn from whatever they've done take kind of their weaknesses and their strengths and kind of apply it to your game and then mold it the way that you want to mold it um and so like you know unfortunately i didn't get to play with um robert griffin um but watch the film on him you know he is a very athletic guy obviously 
and could sling the ball. Nick is just a brain. He's a smart guy out there. He's always diagnosing the defense, making mm-hmm. sure we get into the right play, um, and then executing. And Bryce was just a, a all-around good quarterback. You know, he could sit in the pocket really well and just throw dimes all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of going to me, I can move around a little bit, move the pocket, um, you know, put some stress on the defense with my legs. Unfortunately, that kind of got me into some bad situations a couple times, <laughs> which we'll probably get to. Uh, but it was just – but then I guess the biggest thing on top of all of that was just have fun. You know, it was – it can be a stressful game if you make it. I mean, you're, all our preparation during the week just prepares you for the game. And so it's really going out, um, trusting in what you've seen on film, trust and adjusting with some different maybe coverages or fronts that they throw at you initially. Um, and then trusting the coaching staff because it's proven time and time again, you know, with them having the number one offense in the net in the past, you know, five, six years at that time or whatever it was, um, that they that, that they know what they're doing, you know, and uh, and making making cla- or, uh, line adjustments, you know, audibles, whatever wasn't always needed, and rather than just trying to make those adjustments, trying to get into the perfect play, trust the guys around you. You know, mm-hmm. they have the best guys in the country there. They're coached Absolutely. up. Yeah, um, and being able to just let them do what they need to do on the field. Yeah, uh, I'm going to address something that you may shrug off, but I think it's true. And, and Martin and I were both students at this point. Um, it was our junior and senior year that, that we got back-to-back Big 12 titles. Bryce Petty's your starting quarterback those two years and, and played really well. You know, he was outstanding. Um, but every time you got in a game, there was a buzz. And uh, you may not even realize it, but there was there was a segment of Baylor people who were like, "We need to look into putting Seth Seth Russell in over Bryce Petty." I think just because you were so different, that that dynamic uh, added ability to run with the football, and you know, I, I put it here in my notes. I think you from that point and even through your your time as a starter were really a darling of the fan base. And so, uh, one question I had as I was looking at all that was there ever any thought that you could push Petty for that spot, or was that all fan-generated, you know, skepticism? I guess to kind of the best way to answer that question, I feel like in my mind would be, you don't come into a program like that thinking you want to be number two. Of course, you know, right. and every time I got on the field, I wanted to prove that I was supposed to be on the field, not just when you're up by fifty points. Right. Um, but you know, in the back of my mind, I always was thinking, I need to be on the field. I, but then that goes back to that selfish nature of, you know, just human in itself. Right. And then it kind of goes back to my answer before. It's like you need to wait your time, wait your time, learn from the guys in front of you, because they may make mistakes or they may make options or adjustments that I had never even thought about. And it kind of goes hand in hand with being able to make. Be smart on the field, trust the guys in front of you, and really just learn and dive into it. And if you know, if they make a mistake on the field, going and ask them like, "Well, what, what were you thinking here?" Just so that I can kind of put it in my mind, like, "Okay, if I see this coverage, we're probably not going to throw it there," you know, or or really try to force something. And then also take into account, you know, where we are in the game. If we're up, if we're up three, two touchdowns, don't run the ball with five seconds left or five minutes left on the game and and get yourself into a, a career-ending injury or a season-ending injury, you know, just stuff like that, and mm-hmm. which that's me being a knucklehead. But on <laughs> on top of that, but yeah, I always thought I should be on the field 
Um, but then I would think back, like, it wouldn't, it, me being on the field wouldn't be the best for the team mm -hmm. at that time. Well, that's the competitor, though. I think so many, and I, I mentioned that we'll mention this, and I might come back to it a little later, that uh, I think a lot of fans perceive you as a quiet, a more introverted person. Blackmar, a couple weeks ago, told me on the podcast that, that you are not the, you're not like Charlie Brewer. You're not fiery <laughs> in people's face, you know, uh, pumping your chest out, you know. Um, but yet, as you just showed us, this is the competitor. I don't think a lot of people that weren't inside that locker room got to see. Um, and I love it, man. I think that's great. And so it's safe to say, you know, uh, all due respect to, to Bryce Petty, who's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of, of all time at the school and in the Big 12. But uh, you pushed him. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. So we get to 2015. And you're the guy. I don't think there was any question about it that year. And I, again, I think Baylor fans were freaking out. And all these expectations were just blown out of the water in terms of what that offense was able to do. Um, I talked to a couple of guys before I came out here today that said, ask him about 2015's offense. Ask him. Like, that is the best offense I've ever seen on a football field. How fun was the start of that season? And just scoring and moving the football at will. Yeah, it was it was a quarterback's paradise. Yeah. I guess I say yeah. at the least. Um from what from what Coach Browse and that staff was able to do recruiting wise was amazing. Like was phenomenal. I mean just how they were able to bring in guys that they wanted in the program. Right. Like they weren't just getting guys that were five star because they were five star. Like they were getting guys that they knew would fit. They knew were smart enough that could if they were to get called on in the game, you know, for whatever reason, they were going to produce. Um, but to go back, I mean, that offense was, I mean, I go back and watch film. I mean, not watch film, but like watch, you know, games that are popped yeah. up on the, on the TV or sure. whatever. I'm just like, man, it was, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to make a run for the national championship that year. No, I was going to ask you that. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Like there was no reason we had, the defense was, phenomenal i mean our offense you know spoke for itself it was i mean i think i think that year i'm just trying to think of just some standout stats i think the, the first what i play seven games that yeah. year uh -huh. all seven games we scored on the first drive of the game right like every single one of them and that just really set the tone for the rest of the game and i mean we had some close ones i think that year but who doesn't and yeah. uh but, I mean, to have those guys, I mean, the offensive line, I could literally sit back there for about five, six seconds and just kind of like Joe Burrow this year. Like, right. He just sits back there. And, and slings just it. Slings it. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I know that feeling. And Wow. And it's amazing to, like, to see that and to go back and be like, put myself in that situation. And basically, you put your grandma back there and they could be successful with the amount of time. And those, the receivers that they had, they just got open. Yeah. Like they, they get open, they catch the ball, and then they make you miss and go score. Yeah. So I had three questions to follow that up about 2015. The first one, you already kind of said it, <laughs> uh, but I'll ask you anyway. If you stay healthy, I don't have any doubt you win the Big 12. I don't have any doubt you get to the playoffs. So the ceiling is definitely a national championship. Absolutely. And the, and the locker room knew it. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. we were... If everybody were to stay healthy, like that was, there was no doubt in our mind that was it was a better team than 2013 and 2014. I I'd say yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of the fan base would agree with you. Uh, second question about 2015, Corey Coleman, <laughs> I mean, puts up one of the best seasons a receiver has ever put up in college football. And, you know, specifically what's it like playing with him, throwing the ball his way and what made him so much more dynamic and electric than, I mean, Baylor, from Kendall Wright, Terrence Williams, Goodley, and then Cannon, and I mean, so many guys in there that were so good. Mm -hmm. What made Corey Coleman, I think what most people would say, the best out of all of them? Yeah, just mentality. He's a, mm. he's a killer. I mean, basically, like when he steps between the lines, he wants the ball and he's going to destroy anybody that tries to tackle him. He didn't like to get tackled. And so but he, was, he, had, he had such a strong work ethic um, in the weight room that really moved over to the field. I mean, you could just show, I mean, what was kind of cool about him that a lot of people didn't know is that he's left-handed. Oh, wow. And so like, you know, if, if he has the ball in his right hand, you're thinking, okay, here comes a weak stiff arm. Now that's his strong hand. So he's going to throw it with everything he's got. And I mean, you could just, I mean, you could see it on the field. And so yeah. he loved to be on the left side of the, um, of the ball catching just cause it was his outside and be able to rip by. Um, but he was, he was so dynamic just one on one or even two on two or two on one. He was just able to be so much more physical to get to the ball. He had some of the strongest hands I've ever thrown to. I don't, he rarely dropped the ball with if it was within his, you know, circle of catch. Right. Um, but he was just, he wanted the ball. He was like, if I get the ball, I know we're going to win. And he would tell me that on the sideline. I'm like, he's like, just throw me the ball. <laughs> yeah. He's like, just throw me the ball. Like, we'll, I'll get it. We'll, I'll get open yeah. and I'll score. Yeah. 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 And so, and I, I respected him for that. And, and he, he did. Exactly. He, he was yeah. good on his word. Yeah. And so he, a lot of people talk the talk, but he was able to walk the walk. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe the attitude just with the wanting to be the best, you know, could have maybe hurt him or made him better. You know, who's to say, but, you know, in the long run, he's, He's definitely one of the most fun receivers I've ever thrown the ball to. Yeah, without question. And a quick comparison, you crossed over, I think, for one season with, with Mike Hicks, who played safety at mm -hmm. Baylor. I went to high school with Mike. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were 3A at, when high school still only went up to 5A at China Spring. And Mike was one of those guys that returned punts, returned kicks, was on coverage, uh, was our best receiver if we needed uh, – a short gain we put him at running back and handed him the ball he was our obviously a star safety he did everything and that's easy not easy but there's a lot of that in the high school level you put your best athlete at wherever you need him Corey coleman did that in college mm -hmm. i mean lined up at tailback lined up in every position slot out wide i mean if you needed to play that was the guy you you went to i mean unbelievable exactly Today's episode is brought to you by Matt Shelf of the Shelf Realty team at Caldwell Banker United Realtors. Matt is a Baylor grad and a longtime listener of the podcast. He and his team in Houston are pros and can help you buy, sell, or rent whatever your real estate needs are. As a young guy, Matt is great with renters and first-time homebuyers, and he employs a lot of cutting-edge technology to give experienced homebuyers and sellers a great experience, too. If you or someone you know is looking to move, even outside of Houston, they're happy to give you a free consultation and market report just for reaching out. You can find them online at www.shelfrealty.com -E or on Facebook at the Shelf Realty Team. The Shelf Realty Team. You, your goals, 
your home. Okay, so I don't know that I've uh, ever been more confused in the stands than that game against Iowa State. And, and you leave the field, and then I'm crying later because, I oh, Seth Russell's out. Uh, so tell us about that injury and, and what happened on that play that uh, I feel like if I watched it back today, I'd say I don't – like it's, at least from where we were sitting in the stands, had no idea what had happened. Mm-hmm. So what happens on that play, and, and what is it like um, in the midst of a season with so much promise to get that news that you're out? I mean, what does that do to you? Uh, It's debilitating, to say the least. Um, I was more upset for the guys. Hmm. Um, Just kind of, that's that's just the guy that I was. Like, I was always wanting to put myself second um, because I felt like I let my guys down Hmm. um, to get hurt. But I guess to go back to the play, so it was a a basic zone read. Um, You know, we're up by two touchdowns, five minutes left on the game. There's... No reason why I shouldn't just hand the ball off um, mm-hmm. and just win the game. Um, but I pull the ball. I read the defensive end, just being the guy, just second nature. Oh, he's crashing. I'm pulling. Right. Um, and I see the safety come up. I'm like thinking, okay, this guy's smaller than me. I'm just going to run through him, get the first down, and then go on and score, you know, whatever the next couple plays. Right. Um, so as I'm running towards the guy, you know, we just get, you know, basically level-headed, and he just hits me just at the right angle. I guess I, I didn't do something right, whatever it was, and kind of crunched my head to the right, kind of to touch my shoulder pad. Um, and then I kind of get stood up and then get hit by a couple other guys and fall down. And I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, dazed a little bit, or kind of like, what's what's kind of going I mean, I knew what was going on, but just in a sense of, like, something doesn't feel right. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, it was weird. It was a weird feeling. And so, and Corey comes over to me. He's like, hey, man, you all right? You all right? And that like, kind of helps me up. I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. And so I get up, and I look to get the next play. I think it's fourth down now. Um, and we call, so the coaching staff calls eight track, which is speed option to the right. To the right? Yeah. Speed option to the right. So it's short side of the field. And so I, like, as I, I get up, I walk towards the coaches, and I get the play, and I'm trying to walk back to get behind Kyle to snap the ball. Yeah. So I'm probably behind the tackle, the left tackle at the time, and I can't walk to the right. I, my equilibrium was just completely off. I could only walk to the left. It was the weirdest feeling. I even tried to lean my head to the right and like lean to the right to walk, and I could only walk left. Man. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I, there's definitely something wrong. And so I turn to the sideline, call a timeout, and I knew all eyes, camera, everything was going to be on me. And right. so I just, I didn't want to put, put people at, you know, questioning, you know, what's going, what, why is he, is he okay? You know, what right. are the, so I used the yard line. I think it was the 25 or 30, 30 yard line and just stared at it as I walked off the field to make sure I was walking straight. Walked all the way off, got to the huddle. Um, and Coach Biles is hyped up. You know, I was like, hey, we're going to run this. We're going to get the first down. I just say, I can't go. Hmm. And everybody stops and looks at me like, what are you talking about? You can't, what? I was like, I, I, I don't, I can't go. I can't go. And everybody's just stunned. Like they don't, they didn't know how to react to it. Hmm. And probably about five or five to 10 seconds go by. And they're like, uh, uh, okay, um, Jared, Jared, get, get your helmet. Jared, go in, just go in. And so I go to the sideline. And start doing some 
neck test and stuff like that, which can be a different conversation, but ultimately get to like, I basically have like a, feels like a knot in the back of my neck, like on the right side where it was broken. And I'm just like, I just have this knot right here. I don't know what's going on. It just, I don't have any tingling in my hands. Like I don't have any, yeah. anything like that. Nothing, no kind of paralysis feelings. And so, you know, sitting there at the time clock runs out. And so I walk, walk to the locker room and I give people a thumbs up or whatever. And, and then go to the, go to the hospital, get, you know, get the x-rays and, and the MRI. And they're like, yeah, you're fortunately you're done for the season, maybe your life. And so, um, it was, it was a punch to the gut, I guess to say. Um, but in terms of they're like, you know, there, there is a chance, there is an opportunity to come back from this. It all just kind of depends on how we go about it. Um, so I was like, well, who do I go to? Right. Who's, who's the doctor that I go to? What do I have to do? Exactly. Like what, yeah. <laughs> how do I get back from this? Yeah. Um, and so I go up to Dallas, supposedly there's a guy up there that he's top of the top, you know, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he's been around the, been around for a few years or whatever. Um, go in there, sit down and have my family in the, in the room with me at the doctor's office. The doctor walks in, looks at me, looks at everybody else. Hasn't said a word yet. The first thing he says to me, you'll never play football again. Yeah. And, um, it was tough. But, you know, we were, we were able to, luckily my brother was an orthopedic surgeon at the time, or he was in his residency. And so he started looking around like, who, who's going to be the guy that does this? The, the, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, kind of cool how God puts you in the right place for whatever reason, you know, whether it was, I think he was going into his, he was about halfway done with his first year. Um, he was doing some research on some, uh, on some um, infant surgeries, I think for like a shoulder or something like that, just kind of like new age type stuff. Um, he starts looking around, doing a bunch of research, and turns out that there's three guys in the country that can do this surgery. Hmm. One's in New York, one's in Florida, and one's at the hospital that he's at. Hmm. And so, you know, basically went out to see him. Uh, they're like, you know, we can do there's two surgeries we can do. We can do a single level fusion, which depending on how it heals, if it heals the way it needs to heal, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Like no worries at all, no risk. Hmm. Um, or we could do a single level fusion or double fusion, basically locks down from C6, so C7, C6, and C5. So they would all be linked together. Um, he said that would more than likely put you out of playing football again. He's like, if you just have a single fusion, like you're, it'll, it, there won't be a question about it, I guess to say, because in terms of anatomy and whatever is set up. Um, so I was like, well, let's do the single. Of I course. mean, <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, what's, what's, why not? Right. Why not right. do it? And if it doesn't work, then we'll just go back and we gave it a shot. So, you know, lo and behold, you know, God was working in the crazy ways that he does. Um, got the surgery, was in a neck brace for eight weeks, um, went back and got x-rays again. They're like, dude, like, 
you're healed. Like it's, it's where it needs to be. And so I was like, well, all right, let's, let's get after it. When do I start rehab? You know, let's, let's get after it. You know, we got the season coming up. Yeah. And so, um, so I start rehabbing, um, doing whatever I can to get back. And it kind of, the timing kind of put me behind the, behind the eight ball pretty, pretty bad just because I was kind of not rushing things. Uh, I mean, it took the full six months to get back cause it was a lot of the ligament strengthening, a lot of muscle strengthening, you know, just kind of everything else that kind of goes into it, into it. Um, so I was able to do that, came back, you know, for spring ball was active. Um, <laughs> and then the, I get about, what spring ball is what three weeks long something like that 15 practices mm -hmm. i think practice seven or eight i start really feeling like this this kind of twin like tinge kind of burning in my my right peck as i'm throwing i'm thinking it's it's nothing it'll be fine of course or whatever yeah. just keep it's just pain like i've been through worse right um and then i keep keep going i keep feeling it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and about practice 11 I was like, Mike, who was our um, athletic trainer at the time, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, I got to get this checked out. Like, I don't know what this is. He was like, well, let's just go take a look at it. Turns out I like tore my pec. Just like, I mean, I have like a hole in my pec, right, where I basically tore it because I kept, because I wasn't conditioned enough to throw however much we threw during the practice. And just the constant over and over and over and over and over and over again of throwing just kept tearing and tearing and tearing and tearing eventually. It didn't completely tear it, but there's a, a pretty good amount of it tore. Wow. Um, so that set me back a little bit. And so I had to recover from that. Um, and then just really started to try to, to keep pushing myself. Cause I was like, I need to be back for these guys. Like, I mean, if we want to do what we want to do, I need to be on the field. Yeah. You know, it's no offense to anybody else that was there. Sure. But in my mind, you know, I'm going into my senior season. Right. Like I'm putting it, I'm risking it all, like for these guys. Like you know I, the I, offense, you've done it for years and years. Exactly. You're the leader of the team. Yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. I let my guys down last year and I wasn't going to do it again this year. Mm -hmm. And so then we get into the season. I mean, we're, <laughs> I guess, before season. So I'm actually on a mission trip. On a mission trip in Brazil. You're going into my next question before I get there, yeah, man. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm beating you to it. So, Come uh, on. On a mission trip in Brazil. And as we're there, one, we had, I think, like seven or eight football guys there that were on the trip. Only one of us had the international plan, which I didn't have it because I was like, I don't need to text anybody or message or call. Um, he gets a text basically saying, it's been a pleasure uh, being your head coach. Um, summing it up, I don't remember the exact words of it, but he's like, "It's been a pleasure being your head coach." Um, the Lord has, you know, basically, you know, pushed me in a different direction um, with what's kind of been going on. Um, it's been I love being with you guys. I'll be a full supporter of you guys, but I'll no longer be your head coach in 2016 season. And if you, I mean, we were in, I was in shock. Everybody was in shock. And I almost, I was like, so Wes Yeary, who was our yeah. um, sports chaplain at the time, I was like, Wes, we got to go back now. Like, we have to go back because we got to do something about this. Um, but then Wes goes, 
if you do something about it now, are you not, you're not going to work out God's plan. You mm. know, you're here helping people try to find the Lord. And if you go back to try to help somebody who's already been saved, who has, you know, their proper, you know, things in line, you're going to be letting these guys down here. So I said, mm. that's, I, I completely agree with you. And so he's like, the Lord's going to do whatever he needs to do. You know, it's going to work out according to his plan. No matter if you go back or not, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. Like we just, it's not going to change anything. And so you might as well stay here, finish out your time, you know, with what you have committed to do for these people, you know, for the, to find Christ. And so I said, I completely agree. So we stayed, I think we only had like three or four more days left. Um, but each day I just kept thinking, what could, what else could I be doing? But then going back to that question or that statement that Wes was saying, like, you need to be here for these people mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it was, be here so that you can help them, you know, live an eternity, you know, in heaven, yeah. in life yeah. you know, without worry. Hmm. Um, so finish that up, get back to Waco. And I'm thinking Waco's on fire. Like that, in my mind, I felt like Waco was going to be up in fire. Yeah. Like burning. Right. Um, it wasn't, you know, luckily. So, and then it was just that grind of, that thought of what's next. Yeah. Like who's coming in next? What's, is it going to be a completely, a complete different coaching staff? Right. Is it going to be a... Well, and this was in June. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean... <laughs> The worst time to have a transition like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. I want to, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, we're, we're going to get right back to this. I want to read you something. Um, cause this, I remember where I saw this when you posted it. Cause for those of us, especially my class, you know, um, freshman year was a Heisman, uh, junior and senior year were championships. And then our first year as alumni was this, like we said, 2015 team that was just so fun. And, so close and and we're just riding on this man we got one of the best football programs in the country and we all loved coach Bryles. i mean uh safe to say that everybody in our class was just obsessed with the guy and it was a gut punch not nearly not nearly the experience it was for you but it was a gut gut punch i think for all anybody that roots for baylor especially those of us who were recent graduates and i remember reading this when you posted it and it and it moved me then and it moved me today when i pulled it up and and um read it again because uh, I think you you were just a tremendous example of leadership and Christian character in the midst of all this. Here's what you wrote um, on your Instagram and your Facebook. <clears throat> you said, what an amazing experience these past few weeks have been. I and 33 other Baylor student athletes have spent the last two weeks in Brazil sharing God's love and pouring into children uh, from, how do you say that, Maceo? Maceo. Maceo and Rio de Janeiro. Through our sports, we were able to share our faith in hopes of changing lives, not just others, but our own as well. I can't thank all who helped me make this mission trip possible enough. I am forever grateful for my time spent growing with others and ultimately growing with the Lord. As we head back to Waco, I can't help but think of all that has changed since we first left for South America. Although I was in a different hemisphere, my heartache, or I'm sorry, the heartache was still immensely present. However, being in the environment I was, the Lord was easily able to remind me of how great He is. We are broken. 
we are hurting. But at the end of the day, we are His. With that gift alone, there is no reason to not overcome through these hard times. My prayers for Baylor University are that we will never forget that we need God as desperately on our best days as we do on our worst. We will overcome. We will become stronger. We will be who God has allowed us to be. And then you quoted Robert Griffin and said, Baylor we are, and Baylor will always be, but it's up to us to define what that means. Um, I think those words provided a lot of hope and reassurance and encouragement for a fan base that was also really hurting and in shock um, and confused. I mean, I remember for so long, all it was was questions, you know. And so I would love for you, you, you've hit it pretty well, but between that neck injury, and I didn't even know all these details of just how, how tough that was and how close that was to being it for you. And then this, I mean, this was the year from hell for you guys. How has your faith given you the ability to stay so grounded and going through the rest of that summer? What, what was that like for you? Mm -hmm. Well, it was, I guess, to be able to be thankful that I could get up and walk, you know, the next day, you know, that everything, everything was going to be all right. Um, <clears throat> even though it wasn't the plan that I wanted, that anybody wanted, um, it was more of, we have the opportunity of today. We're not promised tomorrow. Yesterday is not going to be there anymore. It's really learning and taking each thing that we learn and just continue to apply it to our lives and affect people in a positive way each and every day. Um, even though <clears throat> you know, our coaching staff was riddled with just heartache, you know, and it, it spread. I mean, the whole everybody was just upset yeah confused yeah um and really just angry with the whole situation of how it all played out yeah because even in our worst nightmare we didn't believe this would be that and so and it ended up being what it was and then the next question was how how are we going to get through this What's gonna? What's do we? Do we stop playing and boycott? Right. You know, but then if we do that, we stop playing and boycott and support a guy who's all given us an opportunity to play at the next level to get that chance. It would then put us behind the eight ball in terms of anything and everything. Um, but I guess to kind of go a little deeper into that was we're only. We were only going to be in college. The seniors, this was our last season. And instead of boycotting, it was play for the guy that we love. You know, lay it out on the field each and every day, even if we hated to show up for and you know, and be a part of a team that didn't have him there. You know, that was really tough. Um, but then also, you know, in my mind and what we all, a lot of our team talked about was we have to be there for our university, for our fan base, for our support, um, so that they know we're going to be all right. 
Hmm. We're going to be okay. You know, we're, yeah. we, we have to grow up really quick. Um, you know, this is one of those ones where you can't, you didn't just touch the fire real quick. It was, we were thrown into it. Yeah. And is either you grow up or you leave type of deal. And several people left. Yeah. Cause they didn't want to deal with it, which is fine. I mean, I completely respect that. Um, you know, thinking about future and what's the best opportunity for them. Um, but then for the guys who stayed, it was really, it was a huge challenge yeah. because you know, our coaching staff was, they, I don't know how to say this, they were, they didn't want to help support a university that didn't support them. Well, and they're coaching with an expiration date. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all knew they were gone. Yeah. 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 And I mean, unfortunately, if I was put in that situation and my leader, you know, the guy that I followed and trusted and put right. all my belief in was cut just as easily as he was signed. Mm. You know, that doesn't make you real confident in who you're working for. Yeah. You know, sure. Um, but they were able to bounce back from that. I mean, each, each day was a struggle, um, both for the players and the coaches. I mean, cause who, I mean, it, there's there, no one's ever gone through the, this. I mean, Penn State has, but no one's really gone through what we had There's to nothing go that parallels it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, for sure. And so there was no blueprint on what to do. It was all ad lib, <laughs> figure out how to get over it. How do we adjust to it? Um, but then kind of going back to, or I guess moving forward to the next step of what happened with Coach Grove being hired. Um, he's a phenomenal guy. Like he basically put his reputation for people he didn't even know. Absolutely. A university he had no ties to. For Grant Taff is what he said. Did he? Did, yeah, well, that's, that's when he got hired. He said, I'm here because Grant Taff called me. Yeah. I mean, and Grant Taff hadn't coached at Baylor for, <laughs> you know, what, 25 years at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, for him to basically put his neck on the cutting board, the chopping board for all of us. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just speaks volumes for his character. Right. Um, with his strength, you know, and faith and being able to stand up for us, even though, you know, on the field, he wasn't a huge, um, part on the field. Right. I mean, he was like a decision maker as in like, you know, punt, field goal, sure. what we need, like the key decisions. But in terms of he let our coaches be the coaches, right? Like I thought was very, you know, the humility behind that to come in and be like, Hey, whatever you are doing is working. Yeah. Um, and I'm he not... know, and he knows he's not going to replace Bryles and he knows that those guys, like you said, internally are just going through heck. And I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Come so... in and be a servant. Right. I <laughs> exactly. Mean... Exactly. Yeah. So he let all our guys do what they were good at. Um, and for him to be able to do that was, you, I mean, it's, it just speaks volumes to the type of man and character that he that he is. Absolutely. 